Hi, I'm Matt Dolan. And I'm Dylan Luce, and this is Highly Debatable. suit of armor made of pillows, a super soaker in a duel, and Matt's five-year-old niece. You want to know what all these things have in common? They offer you more protection than the New England offensive line. <laughs> I mean, they were, they, were, they were brutal. So bad. I mean, it literally looked like they might be trying to get Tom Brady killed. I don't think, nobody likes Tom Brady now. Everybody's, in my, everybody's on my side. Well, I think maybe he must have said something before the game or, you know, they were all mad because he didn't buy them TVs this year or something. Didn't pay for their dinner before the game because they sold him out. Oh, Maybe it was a uh, longest yard sort of deal. <laughs> and they all just kind of gave up on him. It, it look, They were all lookout blocks. Yeah. Look out. That's, you know, it was, it was not pretty. Um, it was like he was knocked down. On like half of his past attempts, and he threw the ball over fifty times. I mean that 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 and Broncos was, defensive line it it look it didn't look like anybody was blocking them. No, it didn't. They were in there so quickly. I I remember almost every play. Demarcus Ware and Von Miller were basically in the backfield within a second. Oh yeah, and even when they weren't off their guy, they were pushing their guy into Tom yeah, Brady's exactly. lap. I I mean, the fact that Brady was even able to keep that game close it's kind of a testament to his yeah, skill i'll give him that that was it was impressive but you could tell all throughout the game that brady just didn't have the confidence because he knew he was going to get nailed well if you watched him he underthrew so many of his passes because he didn't step into them because well, he couldn't well, or he was afraid to step into it for the time when the times that he actually did have the time to do it he was afraid because those guys are coming up field and he was expecting to just get blasted. Well, because they always talk about that internal clock for quarterbacks. His internal clock was like he hit the button, and then it's when you try and like stop it as quick as you can again. Yeah, that like, was him. Like when you're like you know young and you're playing with a stopwatch, yeah, and you see like, how close to zero you can get it. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was how he was uh, going about it in that game. I mean, and it wasn't just the O line being bad. Denver's defense was phenomenal. Oh, definitely. As they have been all year. And the thing about them is they, in that game, that was a season-low percentage of blitzes for them. And it was a tremendous amount of pressure. So when you can blitz, when you can not blitz and just send four guys, and you're one, you're still getting pressure like crazy. Two, it allows you to drop everyone in coverage and basically just force Brady to either check down throw the ball away, or take a sack. And he took plenty of those. Oh, yeah. If you look at, like, the numbers for, like, you know, QB pressures, knockdowns, sacks, you would think that they were sending the house the whole time. Yeah, but they weren't. No, and it's impressive that they were able to get it done with the front four. I think they blitzed on less than 25% of their plays in that game. Which is not what they're known for. They blitz a lot. They're 
they blitz in key situations, but a lot of the time they're playing that man-to-man, four-man rush, and then it's, you know, a lot of them are run blitzes and stuff like that where they, they're trying to... Well, and they throw blitz. in a lot of confusing packages. And yeah, confusing, yeah, yeah, you know, Wade Phillips, terrific defensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, it. you and could it almost give him coach of the year Just over, 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 head, well, over head coaches. He's a he's a defensive coordinator. You can give him. Do they have a coordinator of the year? Uh, you know what I probably should. I, I mean, I assume there is. It's in some sense, but I'm saying this man for what he's done this year should probably win it over a head coach. Well, I mean, you, you pretty much shut down the Patriots twice. You shut down the Packers' offense. Yeah, I mean, just all year they've been pretty dominant as defense. And, I mean, you just look at who they have throughout the defense, and it's just stacked all the way through. Obviously, you have the two pass rushers in Miller and Ware. You know, the two inside linebackers aren't scrubs. They're both young guys. I always forget how to pronounce them. the guy's name. is like Trevathan. Yeah, Trevathan, yeah. And then cornerbacks are terrific. I mean, their whole the whole unit is solid, and, I mean, they definitely rank up there in the best defenses in NFL history. I mean, you got the '85 Bears, you got the you know, the those early 2000s Ravens teams, and then you, the 2013 uh, Seahawks, and now you got this 2015-16 Denver defense, who is up there with the numbers and with the way they played and their team's record. I mean, they look phenomenal. They just need to cap it off, and we'll see kind of what they're able to manage against this Panthers offense that is phenomenal. Well, like you said, they do have some young players, so we'll see how these guys react on the biggest of stages. I mean, there's no, there's nothing, there's no higher pinnacle in the game of football than the Super Bowl. Yeah, when we've kind of talked about it, every game you have to step up and become kind of this new player, take it to the next level. So we'll see if they're able to put it all together and who kind of stands out for them. Uh, and I, if we move on a little bit to uh, Peyton Manning in this game. Um, he did enough. He did I enough. He, he wasn't he wasn't the Peyton Manning of old. He wasn't making miraculous throws. He was smart with his plays, smart with his throws, didn't turn over the ball. You know, that was those were the things that he did well that gave them an opportunity to win this game and their defense, you know, did the rest. Yeah, by no means was he impressive or phenomenal, but he did enough of a job to keep them in that game and then the defense held the Patriots. They made a little bit of a push late to kind of close that gap again. Yeah. And then obviously in OT and with that two-point conversion, the Denver defense kind of sticking it to the Patriots. And then they were able to punch it in in overtime. So, yeah, I mean, it was really it really was a fun game to watch. Um, I enjoyed it. You know, it's the battle of Brady and Manning. Well, yeah, it was another game with a comeback, and it just kept you on the edge of your seat the entire time in that fourth quarter. Because, I mean, you had, what, 27 points between the two teams in the fourth quarter? That's pretty crazy. Yeah. A lot of back and forth. And, you know, I remember just – it's not even that I was a fan of other team, but just the back and forth got me so hyped up watching this game. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of the league, you thoroughly enjoyed this game. There's There was nothing about this game that disappointed you. 
um, unlike the other game this weekend. Well, um, besides maybe Gatskowski. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this uh, earlier when the Minnesota Vikings lost. Um, kickers missing kicks. Matt and I are both kind of on the same page with that. You really don't blame a kicker. You know, they've done their job all year. They've gotten you there. He I missed. Mean, he missed an extra blame point. Him a little bit, but they can't take the oh. brunt of the blame. The people that need to take the brunt of this blame for this game is the offensive line for the Patriots. They could not protect Brady from this pass rush. They weren't really opening anything for the run game. You know, they they were a were sieve. Poor. They were they a were sieve, poor. and just as bad as that offensive line was, you know, Belichick went to his. Offensive line coach at the end of that game and said, "Pack your bags, you. get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore." That was atrocious. He says Tom Brady, "What are you doing? Can't be doing that to Brady." I mean, when I think it's just Belichick knows Brady is coming towards the end of his career, and he can't he, afford to waste years. And you got to keep him on his feet too. Exactly. When you get to that age, a big shot can really slow you down especially if you get hurt you're really going to be slowed down you're really going to be hurting and some well, guys Brady's slow enough well they but they don't they don't always recover like i mean you you've seen peyton manning hasn't really recovered fully from that stuff that he experienced in the offseason yeah another guy who i don't know if he's going to fully recover after his game this week is carson palmer uh yeah, well that was just a thorough. No, no, it was it was kind of par for the course for Carson Palmer, if you ask me. In the playoffs, yes, <laughs> not this year. This year looked like he might finally turn that corner. He had a phenomenal year, and then in, he got in the playoffs, and oh, he really raised the hopes of the Arizona Cardinal fans yeah. by having a good, you know, that that first and game in the playoffs that they had a really good game and dashed them expertly. Oh man, I mean it was. He had what? Brutal. Like four interceptions, one or two lost fumbles. That I mean, I, I, I've those inter, some of the interceptions he threw were I don't even know where he was trying to throw the ball. They were yeah, bad. I don't. They were bad, and that that is a good defense in Carolina. But I'm not even going to give them that much credit. I mean, they they did they played well, and they they made the plays when the, Carson Palmer gave them the ball, <laughs> and uh, but I mean, he really did. He it almost looked like he was passing to Carolina defenders. It was that bad. Maybe he was. Maybe they're paying him off, or you know. Uh, but I mean, this game was not what you want out of an NFL playoff game. It was a complete rout, forty-nine to fifteen final score, and Carolina dominated from the go. Well, yeah, it was like that Seahawks game. They jumped out. They scored on their first three possessions. Yeah, and they just they just cruised after that. I mean. They had, like, what, 24 points at half, and then they just kept pouring it on in the third and fourth. They tell you, you punch them in the mouth right away and see how they respond. And that's what that's what Carolina did. They punched them in the mouth, and Arizona, and Arizona never respond. responded. They really did. It was, it, it was like that Conor McGregor fight, you know? <laughs> you punched him in the mouth, and uh, that was it. He didn't, he didn't respond. He was down on the mat. Well, that was the thing is you were, with how good Arizona's offense had been, you know, yeah, Carolina jumped on him, but you were just waiting and waiting for this offense to finally kind of kick into gear, and it never did. Well, in like, and like, yeah, it was because of Palmer. I watched and I saw them get the touchdown, and they were down twenty-four to seven in the second quarter. And I'm like, okay, this is where it starts. 
this is where they start to turn it on. They'll maybe score one more time before halftime, and we'll go into halftime. They're only going to be down 10. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what I was banking on. And then I just watched this. They couldn't do anything else. You know, they got that late touchdown in that game. But other than that, you know, those 15 points, it doesn't, I mean, other than that, they got dominated no matter what. But those, you know, that's all they had. They had that late that late touchdown, and that's really what even made it look like they were able to score points. Yeah, you can't score 15 points in a playoff game and expect to win. You can't win. You can't win a game in the NFL pretty much anymore if you're only scoring 15 points. It really doesn't happen. Very rarely, we saw a few games in the regular season where something similar happened. But if you score 15 points, you're not going. I would say probably 90 percent of the time, you're not going to win that game. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people will point to like if your defense can hold them below 17, then you're in pretty good shape. And if you can score above 24, you're pretty much the the numbers are in your favor a lot of the time. But, I mean, you couldn't even give up that first half and expect to win, let alone the second half as well. Yeah, I mean, you, it was... You let a team put up 49 points in you in a playoff game. And, ladies and gentlemen, guess and who And you kept... only scored 15. Like, there's a difference. If it was if it was 49 to, like, 42, yeah, then it's just you just went all out. No one wanted to play defense. Yeah. It was a it was a barn burner. The thing is, is Carolina played good defense. Carson Palmer was awful, which led to Carolina having the ball way more than Arizona. I mean, if you look at like the possession numbers and the time of possession and stuff like that, I'm sure you'll see that Carolina just absolutely dominated those stats. Plays yeah. run, you know that that stuff would have been dominated by Carolina. Yeah, and that just speaks to how the game went. I mean, they just controlled the game from the absolute beginning, and that was it. Well, and and Cam Newton just kept on doing his thing. Yeah, he was he was like only his, he can. He was dabbing on people, dancing in the end zone, handing out footballs to little children everywhere. I mean, he he really just had another great game. He looked phenomenal against a defense that was supposed to be good. Yeah, and he shredded them. I mean, of course, sometimes they faced a short field and. Constantly being on the field because they weren't able to sustain drives, but he really shredded a defense that was supposed to be very good this year. Well, and he did it almost immediately. He picked up, you know, right where he's been all season. So, so he can just let he can simmer in the hate that everybody likes to give him. Yeah, he can take a bath in it because it's pretty hot. Everybody's pretty hot about it, but you know he's he's enjoying his time, and he actually came out today. Um, and said some stuff about uh, the way he feels, the way people talk about him. And it was kind of his reaction. Uh, he pretty much said, people don't understand me. They don't really know how to classify me, and therefore they don't know how to deal with me. Well, because we haven't really seen a player like him. And it's the fact that he's all these factors combined. You know, he's a dynamic playmaker. He's young. But on top of that, he's young. He is black. outspoken. And he's, black. he's black. He's black. I mean, that's that's a, I think that's part of the huge problem with a lot, a lot of these people have with him. You see guys like Aaron Rodgers celebrating all the time, doing his discount double check. You know, it's, you have Brady spiking the ball like crazy. You have a lot of these Gronkowski guys. Gronkowski spiking the ball like crazy. Brady does it too when he scores. Yeah. But you have all these guys, and they celebrate like crazy, but they're white. Yeah. So for them, it's just they're you know they're enjoying the game, they're having a good time, 
he does stuff like this and he's labeled as disrespectful. He's a fool. He's, he's self-serving. You know, it's, he's trying to draw more attention to himself and the kid's just having fun. And so that's kind of the things he, he said today. Well, that's what he's talking about. You know, he quoted John Wooden in his building blocks and he talked about passion and enthusiasm and he's just really playing the game how he knows how to play it. And I think it's part of what makes him so good is that he plays the game with so much passion and enthusiasm. Yeah, I mean, he really loves the game, and you can see it every single time he steps on the field. I mean, he really does. He shows his love for the game and the way he treats his teammates, the way he treats his fans, the way he... Every play, the way he goes all out, just shows how much he loves the game. And so for people to give him crap, about doing his thing, about having fun, you know, doing his little dance. Who cares? Leave it alone. We talked about this last week. I don't really need to go into it anymore. Yeah. Just just stop. It's just the fact that there's almost a double standard with him. Well, and you can still see then that, that racism still is prevalent in the sporting world. It's still there. As much as people don't want to talk about it or like to, you know, push it under the rug and pretend it's not happening, it's there. And you can see it with these letters written to Cam Newton and... Uh, well, it's a thing that's only happening to him. Yeah. You know, it's... it's no one wrote of, letters no one wrote to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. No one's written letters to any of these other guys for I'm going to start writing letters to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, because letters, he does he does a hip thrust when he does the discount double check, and that upsets my younger sister. She doesn't know what she doesn't know what she doesn't know what he's doing. So I told her to just watch the cheerleaders instead. She'll be fine. Those girls are great role models. They're probably much better at hip thrusts as well. They they are. They're phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I, I, the Bears don't have them anymore, so it's kind of a sad Packers thing. Packers never for had me. them, so. but. Um, I just, I really want people to get over this hate of Cam Newton because he's fun to watch. He's good for the league. And it is. It's it's people being upset, seeing a player they don't understand dominate a game they think they've understood for so long. I mean, you've, we've never seen a quarterback like Cam. Mobile, huge. I was going to say big. Huge. Pocket passer, though. He's not a run-first quarterback. He has established himself as a pocket passer who has the ability to run. Well, he he is and he isn't. That's the thing that makes him so winged. He's not either. He's not a running quarterback, and he's not. He has designed running plays. And then he has plays where, you know, he stays in the pocket, he hangs in, and he makes throws. So, you know, it's just, I mean, the closest you can really get to him is someone like, maybe like Randall Cunningham. And that's not even because he's black. It's because of the style of, you know, he's a little bit bigger. He runs the ball hard, but he also has a cannon for an arm. I mean, and he's he's been working on his accuracy. It's going to be getting better and better. He still likes to take risks. So that's why his accuracy is a little bit lower, I think, than you would like. But Plus, still. he's just a gunslinger. I mean, yeah. eventually, he's still young. He will figure out a way to rein in his arm a little bit and use his power to more of an advantage than a disadvantage in those situations where he's throwing the ball 10 feet over a wide receiver's head. or When I think you've seen it this year, he's kind of reined that in where he's not missing as many throws. And I think he's been working on his mechanics to help with that. 
Yeah, he he looks he looks like an impressive player, and he is. I think he'll win the MVP. I don't think there's much of a discussion. Well, there was, I think. Not anymore. Yeah, with Palmer. I mean, playoffs doesn't count in the voting, but... It count if you but the thing is it's is you look at it now and people will think about it and well I think the votes are already in I believe they just haven't announced it I'm not sure about okay, that okay yeah, I don't know exactly how it but works but I I would just think because he is so unique he kind of has to win it he's the best thing in football right now I'll come out and say it. he is the most exciting he is the best thing in football right now I, he's a one I like man. watching Luke Keekley too. That team is yeah. what's good for football. It'll be good to see Carolina in the Super Bowl. You know, Ron Rivera, I love him, former Bear, um, even though I wasn't alive. But Well, you were alive when he was the defensive coordinator yes, for them and let him to. But, I, you know, his playing days and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I have seen him coach, and it's he's a great coach, and I'm excited to see him there. Uh, well, and it's good that. He's kind of a he was a rookie coach coming into Carolina, so it's good to see it kind of paying off. Where in other leagues, rookie coaches aren't doing so well. Obviously, David Blatt was fired this week from the Cleveland job. I believe he's like the first coach in history to leave or to lead his team to a finals and then get fired midseason the next year. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, it's he, it's incredible. You have they have a good record. They're doing well. They're leading the East, and he loses his job after a game. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think there's only one person to blame. It's LeBron James. It's He's the GM. GM LeBron James went into the locker room after the game and probably didn't even discuss it with anybody. just said, pack your bags, get out of here. I guarantee well, that's how it went down. I think he went up the channels and no. told them. No, there is no channels. They come ask him. Okay, he they come ask they come ask LeBron, and that's a problem. That's really what it seemed like since he's come back to Cleveland. He pretty much seems like he has dictated everything. He dictated that they trade away Wiggins, bad move, bad move, and get Kevin Love. Which I mean, at the time, okay, it looked like it was going to be a really good movie. But Love is and Wiggins is showing impressive, and Wiggins is great potential. Yeah. So and then after that. This offseason, the rumors that he basically told Cleveland to pay Tristan Thompson the max, or he was gone after this year again. Yeah, it looks like, in from what I've read and from what I've seen, LeBron James didn't like Blatt the minute he came in. Didn't take any time when he first came back to go talk to him, to sit down with him. Uh, seemed to always undermine him. There's stories of players talking smack about him on the court to other teams after the game in going into the home locker room to use their hot t- their hot tubs or cold tubs and talking loud enough so the whole home locker room can hear him. These guys turned on him, and it's because LeBron James turned his back on him. Well, I don't even think that it's LeBron dislikes him. I think LeBron was indifferent to him. But... The interesting thing about it is the fact that I think Blatt didn't challenge LeBron, and I think that's a key to why LeBron didn't respect him. I think that he saw this as, you know, this guy's not 
he doesn't know more than me. He's not challenging me as a basketball player. He's not going to make me better. So what is he doing here as a coach? Because some of the stories came out that, you know, they'd be studying film or something like that, and there would be an obvious, like, glaring error by either LeBron, Kyrie, or Kevin Love. I don't know how you have film on the last two. They seem to never play. Yeah, that's a different story, though. But it's like, you know, they this obvious thing that they do. You know, they missed an assignment and they missed something, whatever. And he wouldn't say a word to them. He would move on. And it got to such a point, I guess, that their new coach, which is, uh, he was the assistant before, um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Lou? Lou. That's his last name. Yeah. Um, you know, he would step in and have to call them out on it. And then there was another thing where, you know, during games, during timeouts and things like that, Blatt would freeze up and he wouldn't be able to draw plays or tell, you know, people what to do or who to sub in. And there was a lot of stuff going on with those substitutions as well. You know, there was instances in the playoffs supposedly where, you know, and one key one comes to mind is they were blowing out Atlanta. They're up by like 40 points. And he went to put Tristan Thompson back in the game late. And LeBron didn't like that. So LeBron was like, you know, why don't we put someone else in so he doesn't get hurt? You know, why why are we putting this guy who is starter quality back into the game when we're up this much? And so I think it just came down to a lack of respect from LeBron to David Black because... Blatt didn't assert himself as the coach really he was just kind of there uh this is something i obviously want to talk about in depth at a later time but it is so hard now as a coach to do the things you need to do with these players in the locker room egos are large people's feelings get hurt all the time and these coaches the thing is is lebron probably wouldn't have liked them if he called them out all the time. These guys now run the locker room. It's not like it used to be where coaches made the rules and made the decisions and, and were in charge. Players are now in charge, and it's a problem because their egos are huge. They make rash decisions. They don't look at the long term. And LeBron did that to Blatt. He, he turned on him for whatever reason. Whatever they, you know, We don't know the reason. LeBron knows the reason, maybe Blatt knows the reason, but everything else is just speculation. And Well, it's all speculation. We don't know that LeBron actually did this, and he's come out saying the opposite, saying that he had nothing to do with it. Well, you obviously, obviously, we think different on that. You know, when I agree with that, I think he had part in this. I don't think you fire a head coach in the middle of a good season unless you are afraid of him losing the locker room. Unless, unless LeBron James has decided he doesn't want him there anymore. Honestly, I think LeBron James holds more power in Cleveland than all the upper management. Well, I think a lot of their upper management has little to no spine. And that's been the problem in Cleveland for so long. I mean, even look at Dan Gilbert, the owner. He cried like a little girl 
when LeBron left. Remember that letter he wrote? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, he keeps this, and he kept that letter up. Dear diary. <laughs> he kept that letter up for the entire time that LeBron was into Miami. And then once they started negotiating with him for him to come back, he took it down then. I can see it. I can, I can see but, it right now. Dear diary, LeBron left today. I'm sad. Tears all over the page. Yeah, you can't read anything. But it's just, I think it, and I think it's, the whole city seems to have this plague around it. The Indians are terrible. Yeah, it's it's, it's just, the it's, it's, not, it's not a good sports city. It's no. not. And you just need to pack it on up in there. Yeah, move it someplace else. I don't well, know. If I don't LeBron know has his way, they'll move it to Akron for him. Yeah, because Akron sounds like a great sports city. <laughs> Ooh, hey, zips. zips. Woo, zips. The only time I... Nah, I'm not... I was there one time. There was a blizzard. It was a great time anyway. Hey, it's um, better than Youngstown. Or everything was closed on Thanksgiving. We couldn't find food for like 40 miles. It was great. No one wants to hear about your crybaby story, Stan Gilbert. All right. I did. I wrote in my diary. Good. Dear diary. Nothing was open today. I was hungry. So I ate the rest of this page. But, I mean, one guy who kind of shares your sentiment is Greg Popovich. Obviously, yeah, the, great, was... the great coach for the Spurs. Yeah, pretty funny. Uh, he was quoted saying that, uh, I'm just glad that my general manager wasn't in the locker room. I might have gotten fired. So, I mean, he's just alluding to the fact that he thinks LeBron acts like the general manager as well. But it's funny because Pop kind of has more on this situation than anyone because he used to be the general manager way back in the day and he actually fired his coach that I think he had taken to a uh, conference finals not to the finals but a conference finals and then started the next year like 3-15 and so Popovich fired him and he actually put his money where his mouth was and became the coach himself and, I mean, he shared duties for a while where he was the GM and, you know, the coach. But, I mean, it worked out for him. He's gone on to have a pretty illustrious career well, I mean, we, we see teams like uh, Chelsea does that all the time. Hey, lost a few games, get out of here. They do that to the managers all the time. It's a, it's That's what I'm saying. Coaches do not have that same security they used to have because as soon as things go wrong, everything is blamed on the coach. Because well, everything is results driven and money driven and no one wants to miss out no one wants to blame the players though soccer is especially that way and obviously the chelsea debacle of this season is a prime example of that yeah i don't really like to talk about it yeah Um, you can write it in your diary yes I, i already did um another guy that probably should write in his diary not necessarily sad but upset with himself is dear diary I punched, punched an equipment man. in the face today. I punched an equipment manager in the face today. Which I'm I broke greatly my offended hand. by this because I was an equipment manager. I was also an equipment manager. Blake Griffin, you better watch out, buddy. We're coming for you. The equipment managers in America, we're, we have it out for you. You're top of the list right We're now. already fundraising. We're already fundraising. Yeah, we got a Kickstarter and a GoFundMe going. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to take a trip out there. We're going to come see you, buddy. But I think the most impressive thing to go with this is that guy's face must be made of like titanium i haven't seen it yet i haven't seen what his face looks like blake may have busted his skull no matter what his face looks like he broke blake griffin's hand with his face 
That's just impressive. <laughs> what is he broke his it, hand with his face? It's like, oh, I can't remember the movie right now. But like there's the guy I think it's uh super bad. The guy robs the convenience store, McLovin gets punched in the face <laughs> and he's with the cops or whatever and they're like, All this proves is that you can take a hit like a champ. And that's probably what that guy's friends are saying to him. But how stupid do you have to be as a professional athlete to punch this guy, not once, but twice? I just want to know what they were arguing about. Uh, I think Blake was upset because his arm sleeves weren't long enough. Or they didn't have enough padding in his elbow. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I have heard some of those ridiculous requests from athletes. Or he probably wanted some wristbands and... About equipment. The guy's boss told him no, because Blake gets gets them new every game, and he doesn't need them. But it's just... All you have to do is not do something stupid. Well, not only did he do something stupid, and he would have been suspended for his actions, I'm sure... But he went ahead, broke his hand. Now he's out for four weeks at the least. Yeah, Which it's great. Just... It's great to take you know. Oh, if it's, it's if it's soccer and you punch somebody in the face and you break your hand, you can still play. This man needs his hands. Yeah, definitely. It's not even like football where you can maybe play in a club. Which we forgot to mention. Uh, Thomas Davis broke his arm in that game. He Blake Griffin. Why can't you play? Yeah, he broke well, his arm. He's about to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Dog. He said he's not about to miss that. Which I wouldn't either. You never know when you're going to get back. Yeah, but you can't miss that opportunity. I just, I just don't understand. It's pure stupidity. It, it, it's pure stupidity. I don't get it either. You got to be able to. When where was his entourage? <laughs> where was his entourage? These guys are supposed to have entourage. He was hanging out with equipment managers. Where dog. is his no man? There's supposed to be one guy that just sits there and says, "Blake, Blake, you shouldn't do that. Blake's Blake, huge. You shouldn't do that." Blake, Maybe you this sh- guy was his Blake, no man. you shouldn't repeatedly punch an equipment manager in the face. I figured it out. This guy was his no man. Blake wanted the cheesecake, and this guy was telling him, no, no, no you can't have the whole cheesecake. You can and have a piece. Blake, you can have a piece of cheesecake. Blake just threw a temper tantrum, punched him in the face, pretty ate the sure, rest of the cheesecake. I'm pretty sure he, like, stepped back, did, like, one, you know, like the dunk over the, the, the Kia car, yeah. jumped over the table, and Superman, just Superman punched, punched him in the face. I imagine it going down, something like that. Then Blake Griffin again, dragging him out of the door and punching him a few more times on the way out of the door and then threw him on the pavement outside. I mean, even if a video comes out, that's mental <laughs> that's, canon. That's, that's accepted in my head now. But that's, that's what, what it happened. is. That was truth. That, that's truth right there. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. That's Breaking exactly news, how it went down. That's how it happened. But I just can't understand how you do that. And I mean, he's paying the price now, obviously, being out. And his team will pay the price for it. But... You can't do that, man. That's Come stupid. on, man. Come on, man. I guess we can go from uh, those two hits to our own quick hits. Ooh, good. Yeah, you like that? That was classy. Um, um, and speaking of people getting hit, Ronda Rousey. Well, um, she hasn't been hit yet. I mean, <laughs> well, well, she, she did get hit a little bit a while ago. <laughs> but she's been in the news, one with her fight, and then it's kind of coming out now. Her... And Travis Brown have been dating for a Travis while. Travis Brown, who is another MMA fighter. Who's still married, separated, but still married. Yes, yeah, still technically married. And who under been... investigation for domestic violence to his wife. And obviously, if you don't know, Ronda Rousey has been a big, big proponent of going after Floyd Mayweather for his domestic violence 
against women. You know, she's calling him out. She says she wants to fight him. All these things. And then you turn around and she's dating someone who's under investigation. And there's some pretty damning evidence that his wife... I've seen, I've seen wife. some pictures. and She's been putting out pictures. She's been kind of... She, I think she did an interview or something like she's that. She's been going back and forth with Ronda Rousey on Twitter. Pretty much told her in her last tweet that uh, when you get your pretty little face punched up, don't come crying to me because I'll just tell you I told you so. When she called her, you know, Ronda's trademark is kind of a do-nothing bitch. Her, you know. Yeah. So she got called that. She posted pictures, and they were pretty gruesome of, you know, bruises on her arms. Pretty gross. Pretty gross. From being, like, grabbed and hit and all this stuff. So, I mean, as if you're Ronda Rousey, how can you take this stand and then have this I'm all evidence for, right in yeah. front of you? I'm all for taking a stand against domestic violence. I, you know, when it first came out that she said something to him, I was impressed that she took it upon herself to say something. But then when you figure out this... It completely nullifies any statement you've made. Now you look like an idiot. You look like a hypocrite. Unless, I mean, maybe she's she's trying to pull the typical white girl. I can fix him. He's a bad boy, but I can fix him. Yeah, but it doesn't. It, it's not even about fixing this man's a psychopath. And if it's true that he beat his wife, and then she wants to go and tell somebody else that they shouldn't beat women, well, well, another thing that's worrying is. Is this becoming a trend within the UFC? Because obviously there's a very high-profile case of War Machine absolutely pummeling Christy Mack, almost to the point of killing her. Yeah, these pictures, ladies and gentlemen, they're bad, the ones of Travis Brown's wife, but they're nothing compared to those pictures. Oh, yeah, those were gruesome and terrible. And it's just, you know, is this becoming kind of a trend within the UFC, you know, are we allowing these guys too much violence and they don't know how to contain it to within the octagon? Which turns into a problem, obviously. Um, Oregon State has had an interesting you know, time here recently. Um, the first one, kind of more uh, exciting, uh, underneath their football field in one of the end zones, they found mammoth bones. How do you miss this? Yeah, when you're building that thing, how do you miss it? And then what are you doing digging in, in, in after the season? What do you what do you do? Did I, they just I, all of a sudden like like a tusk finally tusk like finally, you know, poke maybe, through the surface? Somebody tripped on it and they're like, What the hell is this? Then they just unearth the end zone and it's there. Yeah, I don't know how you missed it. I don't know how you miss it in the construction of the stadium because most of the time I mean, if it's all natural grass, then maybe you could have missed it because you built the stadium around it. But a lot of the time, they're laying concrete under that. Even with that and grass, then putting the grass even, over top even of that it. grass, they usually will pull it out, bring in nice sod, yeah, and seed it with that, or seed some, it with some nice some grass. Alabama number nine, yeah, whatever that is. Um, yeah, they found they found mammoth bones. I think that's pretty sweet. That's probably a big, pretty big find for a university. I'm sure their uh, biology departments are having a field day with that. Yeah, I'm sure that's fun and obviously being the guy that found it is probably pretty interesting too because there's no way he's an archaeologist he's probably a lowly construction worker and he's like what the hell uh what did i just find here guys uh i got a problem found some bones i think someone might have died here no those bones are huge <laughs> this bone is bigger than i am i don't think this was a person and uh the other oregon state incident uh during a recent basketball game 
and this is just another ridiculous thing. I almost like yeah, can't I don't, talk about it one because of those it's just stupid athlete things. If you've seen the clip, you know what I'm talking about. A player, Jam- Dalmar Reed. He's going up defending a guy. He gets a steal. He nice steal. He gets, nice he steal. He gets fouled, which you know I can see the case for it. Doesn't get the call. Is sitting he, on the ground. He's laying on the ground. He passes the ball off, and the ref that was right there that he thought should have given him the call he starts to run up the court, and the dude just blatantly like sticks his leg out. And I don't understand how you can think in the moment that this is, I'm going to get away with this. And then he gets up. The ref gives him a technical foul. And kicks him out of the game. And he gets, like, upset like he shouldn't have gotten penalized for it. He was out of his body for a second. Yeah. He was out of his body because he came back and he was like, wait, what? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? And it's just, it's just ridiculous how you can think that that is ever okay. Or how you're going to get away with it. I don't understand how athletes in any sport think they're going to get away with these things. Now, there's so many cameras looking from so many angles with so many replays and so many people watching them. Someone's going to find what you did. When, too, it's just the disrespect for the referee. It's unbelievable. Again, we talked about this last week, the disrespect for referees and that it's this younger generation who all of a sudden thinks that they're better than everybody else or thinks that they can't be told what to do. And when something doesn't go their way, they they, throw a temper tantrum. They lash out. I mean, that's a childish thing to do. Trip somebody. That yeah. is childish. Yeah. It's a grown man. Don't trip a grown man. You're a grown man, too. Don't You don't trip anyone. This is really, really, really stupid. It really grinds my gears. All right, Peter Griffin. Um, and then the last little quick hit we have, a little more... Somber. Somber. Um, Tyler Sash... Uh, who some of you will remember a couple months ago, he was the, I believe, Iowa State player that died suddenly at the age of 27. Um, he had played in the NFL a little bit. Um, they did an autopsy, and they found out that he had very high levels of CTE. Now, he did accidentally overdose on painkillers, and that was, like, the reason for death, but... Well, and I think you have to think it's caused by this. Yeah, the CTE is chronic, traumatic. It's basically a degenerative disease in your brain from repeated trauma. So basically, this has kind of been the big thing coming out with the concussions in the NFL and stuff like that. You know, this CTE... You know, Will Smith made a movie about it and everything yeah. about the doctor that kind of... Um, was trying to bring it to everybody's attention. Yeah. And so they did an autopsy on his brain and they found super high levels of CTE. Yeah, a very advanced case. Which is, I mean, it's kind of telling with what happened because obviously the symptoms are dementia, which is memory loss, um, aggression, confusion, and depression, which could all lead to his use and abuse of painkillers. So this is kind of just another domino in... The whole pile. Well, and you going people, against the NFL and against football. And people need like to that. look. This this kid didn't play that long. He's twenty seven years old now, so he didn't play in the NFL all that long. No, and I mean it, compared it, to it's some not of like these he, guys, yeah, it's not like he was playing into his thirties. Yeah, you know, in this kid's brain had already deteriorated that much. Well, and it just 
the thing with CTE is it doesn't have to be from concussions. It's often from sub-concussive hits, which is basically like you don't get a concussion, but it was like a hard hit. You're ringing your in your ear. You can, you know, yeah, I, I, I get what so, you're saying. you know, it just is kind of another little step towards, you know, us needing to reevaluate football as a whole. Well, look, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The sport was made for people who were much smaller, not as fast, not as strong, and now these people are freaks. They're bigger, they're faster than stronger than ever before. Well, and it's so much easier to fine-tune an athlete nowadays. You know, back then, they didn't have the sports science and everything like that. And you had these guys who were freaks, Bo Jacksons, guys like that. They were few and far between. And now it's like you look at the league and there's just like every team's got them. Yeah. You know, so it's just the the equipment and the game had just not caught up with you know, the play, how well, the much players these players advanced, have grown. Yeah, the players advanced too quickly for the game and for the equipment. I don't think you'll ever find anything that will prevent concussions because the concussions cause from the brain slamming against the skull. And yeah. it's not it's it's nothing nothing you can do with a helmet will stop that. You can make it a little bit softer the hit. You can prevent uh, you can prevent concussions from just the impact of the helmet. But when their head hits the ground and then the well, it's, it's, the, it's the sudden rotation of the head in any way is normally kind of what causes it. It's the rotational velocity. That causes the brain kind of to rotate and smack around in the brain. And so, I mean, you and I being equipment guys, obviously we saw this a lot with these helmets are not built for this. And I think... Well, and a lot of these guys don't wear them right. Yeah. Well, and they're not... Yeah, the... Cause they don't tighten their chin strap all the way. You see these helmets fly off all the time. Yeah, they don't, you know, they don't wear their mouth guard. They don't, and these are, mouth guards do help in those situations, ladies and gentlemen. They help with a lot of things, and players don't wear their equipment properly. I mean, you see these guys, they don't even wear thigh pads and knee pads anymore. Well, they have to now. They well, they, but they those. wear they the wear teeny the little, tiny yeah. shells. They don't, they don't wear so, a full pad. So to anyone with kids or anyone they know in youth football, you just got to make sure the equipment is worn right. The helmet needs to be down by the eyebrow. You know, you need to have the chin strap nice and tight. The helmet should not really wiggle. No, it shouldn't wiggle at all. On your your, your, your kid will complain head. because it will be tight in the beginning, Which, but they'll get used to it. You're supposed to look like how Peyton Manning looks when he takes off his helmet, yeah. where his forehead's super got, red, got a red mark and he's got the lines in it. It's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be tight to your head. It might be because of his five head, but... Well, that too, but it's just the point is, if you don't know how to do it, make sure you find somebody in your league, your, the coach that's let us know. We will be glad to come out and fit your kid for a helmet. Yeah, just make sure make sure it. they're well fit and make sure your kid's well protected in order to and another problems. Another big thing, and a lot of leagues are doing this now, is coaches have to be certified for this heads up tackling, which I think is a great thing. Teaching the kids the proper way to tackle, kind of like a rugby tackle, where you're not leading with your head, you're not leading with your crown. It's you the know. pure form tackle, how you should be. How, yeah, it how should people be, taught people it, to tackle years ago. Everyone kind of got away from this to get the big hits where you're getting the helmet. Launching helmet yourself and, into you know, somebody. Stuff like that. So just do your research. If you need any help, we'd be glad to help. 
I'm not going to tell you don't have your kid play football because I want my kid to play football. It's it's part of growing up, but make sure they're wearing their equipment properly. It'll help with a lot of problems. And make sure if your kid has any problems, if, you know, kid comes home from a practice and he's saying he's dizzy or his vision is blurred or there's dark spots. Or he's sleepy. Or he's, or... he's ringing in the ears or anything like that. You make sure you go through the proper channels, get him to a doctor you know, Let's be honest. High school coaches and high school trainers aren't necessarily the best at diagnosing a concussion. Well, and on top of that, a lot of times players will push themselves because in a high school team, you have, what, like 80 players? I know in Batavia. Well, we were, had less than that, but yeah, then I went to a tiny we had high school. so many players, so it was like you had to stay on the field or you lost your spot and you lost your chance to play. So just make sure that you're taking care of your kids. I know they'll probably get mad at you, they'll do whatever, but just do a little research, take care of them, and then in the long run, avoid something like this. We were going to do our normal Today in Sports History. There's not really anything for it, but, so uh, we're going to give you some interesting facts from throughout history of sports. Not really what happened today, but just interesting things. Um, my favorite one was... The uh, if Michael Phelps were a country, if he himself were a country, he'd rank 35 on the all-time Olympic gold medal list ahead of 97 other nations. That's insane. That's pretty ridiculous. That blows my mind. Um, another one, uh, Buffalo Bills. Obviously, we had a link with them with your uncle. Obviously, not anymore. They haven't made the pre- uh, playoffs since Bill Clinton was president. You you don't think that's a long time, but it really actually is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 been quite a while. Especially for a team that went to three Super Bowls at one point, right? You know, right in a row. Four right? in a row. Oh, four, four in a row. row. Four in a row. Didn't in win any. Early 90s, yeah. Um, we'll give you a couple more. Uh, the average golf ball. I don't. I thought they were all uniform. We discussed this earlier. But the maybe average golf ball. Maybe it has to do ball, with brand. Maybe. They have different maybe. molds for it. 336 dimples, if you were wondering. Yeah, you know, if, you know, just if you wanted to know. Um, another kind of crazy thing to wrap your head around. Clayton Kershaw. We'll leave, we'll, we will leave you with this one because Clayton this Kershaw, is kind of mind-blowing. A great pitcher in our era. Three-time Cy Young winner. You know, Absolute stud. Probably the best pitcher in the game right now. If he wanted to break Cy Young's record the man who the award is named after 511 wins he would need to stay at his current pace for wins which is around 20 for a season yeah for the next 41 years he would have to pitch until he is 68 years old <laughs> 68 years old that's uh, ridiculous all right well ladies and gentlemen with that uh this is the end of our show we want to thank you for coming and checking us out you can find us on facebook twitter we're on the podcast app. We're on Stitcher. All this stuff. Give us a shout out. Let us know how you feel. I know what you came here to do Not bust it open